Welcome to the Ohana Church Podcast channel. Our goal is to teach the truth so that people can find freedom. What is the good news anyways? We will answer this question as we study Paul's letter to the Romans. I think many will be surprised at what we discover. Hi, this is week four? Yeah, week four. Mm. Or week three. Week three. Okay, this is week three. Sorry, week three. We should be on week four, but we we skip for something. Um, oh, yeah, here, start for week three. All right, we are in Romans. Two weeks, and we've gotten through Romans chapter one, verses 22. So we're not even through chapter one yet. Um, but we, we're going to try to get through Romans one and two this morning, uh, or at least most of two. So we'll see how far we get. Uh, last, well, two weeks ago, um, we kind of went through a little bit of a better understanding of judgment, and we kind of discussed hell, and I did a, just went through a quick word study of the issue with the doctrine of hell, because we've got three different places, literal places, that we have one English word for, and our English word is hell. Um, so it gets we get a very confusing understanding of what hell is, and uh, even the idea of what hell is because we have one word that translate that we've lumped three different places into. Um, <clears throat> it'd be kind of like describing Florida, Alaska, and you know. Pennsylvania or something like that, or the Middle East, all in one word. So you get a picture of Florida, and you're like, what? Florida has mountains in it? You know, has snow all the time? And it also has sun and heat, and, you know, it's the same problem we have with, the, with, with hell, the way hell's been taught in the church, because, and it's interesting because it's a simple word study. It's a, it's a study that you can look up in Strong's, but the doctrine has been painted for so long and taught over and over again that when we think about judgment, that's the only judgment we think about, uh, a place that doesn't exist. And I'm not saying hell doesn't exist, but honestly, it'd be better just to use the, the appropriate words now in the Bible instead of using hell because of the, the misunderstanding that comes up and conjures in our head. Now, there is one place that the Bible depicts as judgment that we need to understand and be aware of. And, and, and the, Jesus himself actually warned his disciples about this place. And that is uh, a place that we don't call hell in the Bible, but we do call it by its name. It's the lake of fire or synonymously spoken of as the second death. And the, that's the place that Jesus warns us about. And he says, do not fear him who can destroy only your body but fear him who can destroy both your body and your soul in Gehenna, you know. And it's most likely describing the lake of fire, the second death. Um, a place where sin is finally taken care of. And the reason I bring that up, um, oh, we got some, we got some 4th of July party people <laughs> coming in. Uh, somebody says, I can push pause on this. <laughs> So you don't have to hear me talking about uh, the Fitzpatrick's coming in late. Oh, 
I didn't pause it yet. Do <laughs> 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 we got chairs? <laughs> Unless you want the sleepy chairs. Well, they didn't tell me. There's one. Chairs like that one. Good morning. <laughs> you can replace the black chairs with. Uh... <laughs> Good morning, Marty. Well, we are arguing over what chairs would be more comfortable in the porch. <laughs> That's Stephen Fitzpatrick, folks. debatable <laughs> Alright. <laughs> the crowd just became nicer. Let's see. So, um, we're on live. You guys are introduced in the podcast as the Fitzpatrick's. Oh. <laughs> That's good. We have. Yeah. <laughs> we do have a judge in our midst, and we're talking about judgment today. So, that is. It works. <laughs> so, um,. But Jesus does does warn us about this place, um, and um, it's a place designed actually to take care of and finally take care of sin in the universe, not just on this planet, but in the universe. And it's interesting because this idea and the concept is what we're going to talk about as we go into the rest of this chapter in Romans chapter one is the idea of what is sin. And Paul grapples with this in terms of, when I say grapples with it, he really does it. He's just, he's just flat out kind of giving you a concept of it by how it has affected creation and human beings, including human beings, and what it has done to the universe. And again, we, last week we talked about, two weeks ago, we talked about how Paul right now is painting with a broad brush. He's not in a detailed community. He is, he is painting really big strokes when he's talking to the Romans and again, I love this because, I mean, he's really, he's really saying, man, I've got the answer. I know what's going on in the universe. Again, it's like, whoa, Paul. <laughs> it's pretty arrogant. But he's had revelations and he's had understandings that just like, he's convinced. He knows what's going on. Um, so when he talks about sin, and I want, I want to push this, just like I talked about, you know, trying to correct our idea of what hell is and what hell isn't. I want to correct our understanding of what sin is and what sin isn't. And I went through the rest of the scripture again and looked at this and, and it started, it's just the revelation of sin as a disease as opposed to a product of human failure. You know, that sin as a disease was actually brought to this planet by an extraterrestrial. Someone who already had the disease and infected our planet. The human, the human race. And you see the effects of it. If you can see it as a disease, um, you'll better understand when Paul is talking about it. In fact, Paul actually starts describing it in, in medical terms, and you'll see that. Um, and it's interesting because you almost look at it as, as a disease. We're, we're, we're hyped up about certain diseases right now, <laughs> corona, and we don't want it to spread. In fact, if it spreads too quickly or if it gets too, we're dealing with it the way sin has been dealt with in the scriptures and the way God deals with sin is that it gets too, 
if corona spreads too quickly in an area, we, 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 we try to lock down. We try to stamp it out. Now, we've been faced with diseases in science fiction right now, but it's not too far from the truth, like the zombie apocalypse. What happens if a disease, and you quarantine an entire city that has zombies in it, and there's no hope for these zombies to return? It just gets worse and worse. There's no more good people. There's no more non-zombies in the area. The only option to do, what, what would you do with that area so that the zombies don't spread the disease to the population, population without? You would nuke them. <laughs> You know, you get the science fiction. We gotta get, you know, we gotta, you know, nuke that place to eradicate the spread of this disease. Now, God actually plans to do that one day. He actually plans on nuking the universe. But it starts with this place that we talked about the second death where this disease not only has the ability to affect our physical bodies, including our thoughts, our minds, it has the ability to affect even our souls, infect something that's a little deeper, affect who we are at our core. Um, and when that happens, and just like, just like any other disease, um, God's concerned about its spread. If it, if, if it affects people too much, and even populations, even families and generations, if left unchecked, those generations become so wicked, so vile, that God pronounces judgment on that. Why? He's trying to delay because it will spread to the whole world and it will destroy us if he doesn't take groups of people out. And you see it. You see it. And Paul talks about this. We know that God's righteous judgment against sin has occurred. And we talked about it last week in terms of the flood. That was a judgment. And a, ju- or a righteous It says that every intent, the, the, the world had become so infected that when he looked at the hearts of men, he said that every intent of their heart had become wicked. It's actually the second law, and I've mentioned this, of thermodynamics, the second law that science has looked at, that if anything left to itself in this universe right now, if it's left to itself without any upkeep, without any help, it will, it will degenerate. It will not stay right. This house, if you don't live in it and clean it and left to itself, it doesn't get better. It starts falling apart. There is a law at work that science has recognized that things don't get better if left to themselves, they fall apart. Now, of course, science doesn't listen to that law when we talk about evolution. <laughs> if things left to itself, they become amazing things. <laughs> like, how can you believe in that law and then believe in evolution? Like, it just doesn't make sense. But there is a law work, and I believe science has, has understood this. And so people, people always, the, the, with this good news that Paul is trying to pre- preach in Romans, he doesn't open up with the good news. He's being all nice to the Romans at first, like, hey, I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to be with you. And all of a sudden he turns and he starts preaching the gospel. And and the gospel's preaching with bad news. And the bad news is we're infected. We have an issue. The world has an issue. The universe has an issue. It's this sin issue. And God had every right, the moment this planet got infected with this, God had every right to just nuke it 
Everything that was on it, it's like, my creation is infected. I can start over. And he did once. He, he didn't nuke it. He did it with water. He kept some hope alive in a boat because he still loves his creation. He, did, he wanted to give it a chance. He wanted to give it a chance to repopulate it. He looks at families that way. He looks at righteous generations. He looks at, listen, be a righteous dad. Be a righteous uh, mom. He looks at the next generation. There's hope in your children if you train them in the way that they should go. Because as bad as the infection is, there is something in man and women that God has gifted us with that we can choose not to obey what infection, the infection is telling us. We can actually say no to it. And that's an interesting concept. That is an interesting thing that I say that we actually can choose not to participate in what it's urge when it infects us, what is urging us to do and not do. So Paul is dealing with this a bit, but I want to give you that concept because we look at sin so much, like you know, because again, we're we're I'm, I want us to struggle with this that performance versus you know grace, performance versus you know needing help, and we'll find that most of us are in a performance-based faith. And it's not, it, it gets confusing because we're, 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 we're taught to exercise our will, but at the same time, we can't do it on our, in our own strength. There's nothing we can actually do to ultimately save ourselves from this infection. In fact, in our own strength, we're already born with the infection. Any kid that's born on this planet, already infected, you know. And you'll see the results of it the moment they're born. Even when they're one or two, they start saying, no. <laughs> you know, they're like, whatever. <laughs> you know, and pass another young age. They're smart. And they choose some things. They're like, why are you choosing that? You know it's wrong. You know I told you not to do that. And they're not like, going to touch that thing that you told them not to touch. So it's interesting. It's interesting. So. Just want to put that out there as we read. Uh, we're in Romans chapter 1. And uh, Paul is right now, he's on a rampage <clears throat> uh, about people and what sin has done and how, they, how it has affected their lives. And we're in verse 23. And, oh, and I'll open up with actually a, a verse in Acts 20, 21. If you want to write that out, Acts 20, 21. Again, this is a reminder of the good news that Paul is talking about. If you want to, if you want to read a, a really good book about Paul's actual travels, read Acts. One of his travel companions, Luke, wrote about it, wrote about him. And at first you can see where Luke wasn't with him. Then you can see where Luke actually started traveling with Paul. Uh, most of Luke's accounts especially in the book of Luke and in Acts, the first part of Acts is his accounts of that of an investigative journalist. He talks about, he interviews people, says, hey, what did you see about Jesus? Tell me about Jesus. Then he goes on and talks about, then he's a, he's a contemporary of Paul and he starts traveling with Paul. Now his, his accounts become firsthand, which is kind of cool. And so he writes this about Paul <clears throat> in, a, in Paul, Acts 20, verse 21. And this is what Paul is saying. He says, I have had one message... And this is the message we're studying. I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike. The necessity of repenting from sin and turning 
to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. All right, that's, if, 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 if Paul could just say what his message was in one sentence, and that's why I love this summary Paul from Paul's mouth. These elements are throughout Romans. The necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. Now, repenting from sin is the idea of turning away from something, recognizing that something's wrong and turning away from it. But not just turning away to, you know, the unknown, into the unknown, <laughs> you know, but actually turning away and going towards something, which it says here, right here, and turning to who? God. And here, in this whole, this, this whole rampage, he's talking about how men have turned away from the Creator. And so, turning away from the Creator, automatically the infection that is in, the, in you becomes worse. <laughs> in fact, it, it loses, you know, all your good intentions. If you're turning away from the Creator, this sin will take over and your behavior becomes worse and worse and worse. So, verse 23. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God... They worshipped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. Again, this is, a, this is verse 23. So he gets into the understanding that when we turn away from God, we turn away from the creation. We turn away from the way God created things to be. All right. True nature. So God abandoned them to whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. There's an evolution scripture right there. So they worshipped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. And it's interesting because this word worship... They started worshiping other things. They started worshiping the creation as opposed to the creator. Now, worship in terms of that is, is it's admire, it has an idea of admiring something to the point of, you know, like you just look at like, wow, you know. And, and we always have this idea of worship, hey, where I'm bowing down to the sun, although that is, you know, something. But in our hearts, well, if we turn away from God, we start worshiping each other. We start worshiping creation. And we start, we do it. We call it the American idol. We look at men's gifting and men's talents. And we, we collect in stadiums and we cheer people on. Now, I'm not saying that those, those, those acts were wrong to go to a concert and, you know, be involved with, you know, some great music or be involved with sports or anything like that. But there is an interesting thing that, you know, people actually become religious about it. You see, when the, right now we don't have the NFL playing right now or sports playing, and it's, it's changed society a little bit. But you hear the music. If you ever got to an English premier soccer game, they sing the whole time. You know, our worship in church is pales in comparison to what goes on in the English Premier League. I mean, it's something that we were created for, to be honest. 
It's natural for us to, I mean, they're they're raising their hand, they got their chest down, they got, these are men who don't usually sing, you know, in churches, the hardest people to have sing are men. And these guys, <laughs> you give a little beer and a little, and a, and a ball, guys kicking balls, man, they go, they go crazy. <laughs> It's loud. <laughs> it's noisy. You know, and you can see we, we worship. And we call it what it is in this country. We call it the American Idol. We want to see a person rise to the top. And we want to see them awe and entertain us. And even in our own little worlds, we've been given over to sensuality. The, 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 the world is given over to sensuality. We actually worship it. You know, how sensual can we be? You know, it becomes part of who we are. So we, we see it in our own culture now that we become a, a worship. We worship something, especially we turn away from God. It says, though, God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's body. In verse 25, they traded the truth about God for a lie, so they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against their natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relationships with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. All right, now in this day and age, anybody who listens to this, to this podcast, will, and if I ever ran for public office... I, I wouldn't make it because Jim taught that homosexuals are going to hell. <laughs> Number one, it doesn't say that. It never, I, ne- I never said that. But what I am agreeing with is that man has the ability to do things that they shouldn't be doing. We weren't designed for certain things, but we can do them. And it's not just having guys having sex with guys. You can tell by nature we weren't designed. That I used to have these this the volleyball pants I did. I, I got I had a uh, I, I, I had appendicitis one time, and uh, I was like, oh, I couldn't. I, I had to go to the doctor. I didn't know what to do. He asked me to bend over one time, put on some gloves, and my appendicitis was painful. I didn't know what he was gonna do. <laughs> He just bend over, pull your pants down, like, okay. <laughs> All of a sudden, a finger went in a hole. <laughs> but <laughs> it was not pleasurable. <laughs> all of a sudden, I forgot all about my appendicitis. <laughs> it went, ah! <laughs> what are you doing? I screamed. What are you doing? So after that, ex- traumatic experience. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, just hang on here. I'm going to check something. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, I, I, I printed these shorts because I was a silk screen. I printed these shorts, my volleyball shorts. I had exit only <laughs> on my pants, <laughs> on the back of my pants, because that's what it was designed for. <laughs> that hole was designed for exit only. Now, <laughs> you can go against that design. <laughs> 
you know, and you know, say, and this is this is what I do, and I have I have friends who are homosexuals. All right, we discuss this stuff because they know I'm not judging them in terms of things, but it's interesting because one of their biggest, how do you say, arguments for me is that I was born this way. I'm like, really? As a little baby, <laughs> you know. You were born. You already knew. And I, and I, I argue with them. I say, you know what? What you have sex with, and I said, you, I said, try to go against this logic. What you have sex with, or who you have sex with, is a choice, ultimately. Yeah, but I've, you know, they taught me. Well, I was always attracted to guys. You know, I said, I, you know, I was, I'm as as a young guy, I was attracted to, you know, the the male body. I love the fact I used to draw the male body. How strong it was, you know. I, I just love football players because they were just, you know, I used to draw football players because I, like, I, was, I was in admiration of, the, of how strong the male body looked, you know. There comes a point, though, where I, and they say, well, no, I was, you know, then I, I became sexually attracted to guys. I'm like, okay, so that makes you, you know, that, that gives you the excuse to, you know, have sex with guys. I said, what if you were attracted to children sexually? Because there are people who claim to be attracted to children. Should we allow that? Oh, no, no, no. That, that's crossing the line. I'm like, what? At what point do your desires... Oh, so your desire for same sex is okay, but children. How about those who desire animals? Sexually, because that occurs. How about those who desire machines? Because that occurs. Should we just deny how we were designed and just because it's in you or because you desire something? And I tell them this, and I actually ask my friends this who are saying, okay, hold on. Actually, I have the ability to desire somebody outside of my marriage covenant. I can be sexually attracted to somebody outside of my marriage covenant. Does that give me an excuse? Because according to your argument right now, nobody should judge me for that. <laughs> There's a go. It's a cat, not a raccoon. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I, I point this out. Because it's hard to argue with the fact that sex, who we have sex with or what we have sex with, is still a choice. It is. Now, I'm not here to talk about homosexual day at first, but I do know that I cannot run for public office now. Because I will be considered somebody who is narrow-minded, you know, and judgmental. But Paul's not trying to make a case against... People who have homosexual tendencies or thoughts. He is making a case with broad strokes about what happens when man turns away from God and the natural, the way they were designed, and turns away and he says he gives them over to their own desires and says, and that's supposed to try to wake people up to say, hey, something's wrong. But what we've done now is like, hey, don't judge that. That's okay. And if you judge that, you're a bigot. You know? I'm like, no. No. I'm not. In fact, 
my, my homosexual friends, they're really, I'm not wishing harm on them. I just want them to turn back toward God because if we turn back to the Creator who made us, He will actually fulfill our desires. I'm like, this is not a, a judgmental thing. In fact, Paul is not peeping on judgment. In fact, he keeps going. He just He's talking about the state of man when they turn away from God. Their lives become full of and this is verse 29, every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and, <laughs> and gossip. <laughs> they are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. <laughs> They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. And this is where our society is. We encourage others to do them too. Alright, now he's not just, this is crazy because you look at what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. A lot of Christians say, Sodom and Gomorrah got destroyed because they were all homosexuals. And that's not true. In fact, the scriptures say that Sodom and Gomorrah did not get destroyed because they were homosexuals. The scripture actually makes comment about Sodom and Gomorrah being destroyed. I think it's in the Psalms because of their selfishness. Their extreme selfishness. Isn't that interesting? Paul talks to others, why are there quarrels among you? Isn't it because you're not getting what you want? This is what happens if sin is left unchecked in the human heart. Not only individually do we start becoming destroyed, but as a society we break down, we degrade to the point that if God doesn't do something and that kind of society spreads, because what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? A mob mentality rules. Remember, Lot took in the angels and the men with lustful eyes saw that they had angels or big men. <laughs> Back then, they didn't know they were angels. They looked, wow, those are good-looking men. Let's go, let's, go, let's go rape them. This is where the part where it was. It wasn't safe to be in the squares anymore of Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, no, no, you can't, you can't stay out here. You come, come in to my house because it's not safe to be out at night in this place. Sin left unchecked, a mob's rule. And if that continues on and on and on, and there's no intervention, God will judge it. Why? Because it just gets worse. It just gets worse. So, um, Romans chapter 2. So he's explaining, he gives this big explanation of what happens if sin is left unchecked. And, and you can see the reader going, yeah, this is, this, that's horrible, you know, what's happening to... And then Paul turns on the reader. <laughs> this is why I think chapter 2 and 1, there shouldn't be a chapter split here. I think, it, I think we should just make all, all of this chapter 1. But, you know, again, God didn't put the numbers in Paul's letter. We did, <laughs> just so we can reference it. So, Chapter 2 says... You, <laughs> the fingers pointing, Preston. <laughs> you, therefore, Preston, ha! 
have no excuse. <laughs> Mine doesn't say that. <laughs> he doesn't say that? <laughs> That's what it says, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself, Preston, because you pass judgment, you do the same things. And the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Verse 4. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you, Preston, to repentance? (laughs) Interesting. All right. Now, he's still painting with broad strokes. And I went back to this. I want you to understand that this world has every, God has every right to destroy the world a long time ago. To get rid of the infection. And when he has made these judgments on the end, when when he did the flood, he was hoping that a righteous generation would rise up and create more righteous kids and, and, and kind of stem the tide of, of sin, of the effects of sin, and choose better. And Sodom and Gomorrah, he's like giving people a chance. Because if the, if, the, if the Sodom and Gomorrah got out into other societies, we'd have mob rule. And there wouldn't be this hope. But he says, he does these things in hope that his loving kindness on this planet, that things would, things would turn, tides would change. But the stories we see of mankind, it's not so, not so proud, not so, uh, not so encouraging. Or do you show contempt for his riches of his kindness? Verse 4, forbearance and patience and realize that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. And this is verse 6. This is, this is one of those verses that scares me. God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who, by persistence in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and reject the truth and follow evil here, uh, evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew and then for the Gentiles. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. Now, is he talking about on this planet or is he talking about one final judgment? And the answer to that question at this point is yes. <laughs> yes, he's talking about both. <laughs> All right, and this is the, this is the reality. It's like if you're living, if you're turning away from God on this planet and you don't have somebody to help you out, you're going to live in some emotional torment. Always seeking, as, as you too says, uh, and I still haven't found what I'm searching for. You know, there's a place of just like, I'm not content. 
You know, I just, I'm, I, and it's, it's, it's just not fulfilling enough. I have moments, yeah, I have moments like, oh, this feels great, but I regret it in the morning. <laughs> you know, but there is this, in verse 6 he does say, but God will repay each person according to what they have done. That's an interesting judgment. He will repay according to, well, there, there is a justice in this world. Now, what is, how does he do that? We don't, we don't really know exactly how he does that. That may not be talking about just being burned in hell for, you know, burning in the lake of fire. There may be a way that God does that. Because we remember when we die, do we go to heaven or hell? No, we actually go to a place where we're resting. We go to a sleep stage. Is that, is that, is that, uh, what do the Catholics call it? Purgatory. Purgatory. <laughs> well, not really. It's just the place of the dead. So it's like interesting. Does he? Does he? You know? Is there? Is there some? In fact, he went to preach to those in in Hades at one point. Jesus did. Is there a second chance? Well, for the guys who lived before Noah's times, it looks like there was a second chance after they died to hear the truth. And in fact, when Jesus returns to the planet. Not everybody's saved, and not everybody on the planet is still, there's there's still sin. In the thousand-year reign, there is still this time when Jesus reigns, and there's still, Satan's, not, Satan's taken out of the equation, but man is still quite capable of sin, but they re- obey Jesus because they're afraid of him. They're afraid of Gehenna fire during that time. His capital punishment is this lake of fire that's burning, and he's warned his disciples about it. Hey, when you come back to reign with me during that time, don't think. It's interesting. It's interesting. We always wrap up as one judgment again. This is why I'm saying we, God, God has judgment on this planet and we see it taking care of the, 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 the spread of sin. And if you're attached to that, man, you're in danger. <laughs> but also there's judgment inside of our lives right now. And this judgment on it right now while we're alive is actually tr- trying to make us turn toward back to Him. It's trying to give us a chance. Like, man, I have tried to do it on myself, but man, every time I, and when you fall into sin, it leads to death and destruction. God's judgment is actually trying to, a lot of His judgment is trying to curtail it and say, man, you need somebody to help. You need somebody else's help. You need to turn back to the guy who made you. So, but there is a judgment that one day he'll judge everybody's secret motives and secret thoughts. Ooh, that one's scary. Is there a loophole to that? Is there a way I can get away from that judgment where he puts my thoughts on the big screen and goes, oh, let's, let's see, Jim. Examining your life. Yeah, exactly. It's like where you took that extra quick. Exactly. Just watch quick. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. That scares me. Why? Because I know I've done things that I've been hit. I've hidden. I have no. I have motivations that aren't right. But I've hit them better than everybody else. But God knows all that stuff. Now, but he, 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 he contrasts it with this. He goes, but for those 
But for those who seek glory and honor and peace, um, where is it? No. But for those who are, where is it? Verse, oh, verse 7. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. Now it has, again, idea of this has a sin. If I sin once, am I going to hell? That's, it's just it's this constant thing. It's like, no, there is there's this sin that's uh, fighting in your body. There's this reality of it. But there's also this reality that those who by persistence in doing good, that doesn't mean they do good all the time, but by persistence, there's, they practice doing good. They seek something bigger than themselves. They seek glory. They seek honor and immortality. And it says, those who have this type of heart, who are going after something bigger than themselves, will, he'll give them a reward, eternal life. This is what man's looking for in the first place. They're looking there. I don't want to die. <laughs> I want to live forever. For God does not show favoritism. Verse 11, let's keep reading. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight. But it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. In verse 14, Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. Verse 15, They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts sometimes accusing them, and at other times even defending them. This will take place on the day when God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ as my gospel declares. All right, there's that time that I'm talking about I'm afraid of. That one time when, and he's talking about how we will be judged. We'll be judged by whether you know the law or not the law. You'll be judged by the law that your conscience. Now, I want, I want, I want you to introduce this to you because God gave us a gift and it is the law. And this is the part I want you to understand about the law. It is a gift from God that says, do not. And it has a purpose. Because without the law, man forgets that there is something fighting inside us there, that there's this sin issue. And then we try to put away, and there's this, there's this, God, without the law, and the law, I like and go back to medical terms of how you deal with sin. If you have cancer or if you have something wrong, there, is, there are things that, you, that medical science will do to scan your body. And in the case of a tumor or something like that, you use an MRI or a CAT scan, you'll scan your body and black things will show up. Things that aren't supposed to be in your body. And we call it an MRI machine or a CAT scan machine, but God gave us the law to do just that. To scan us and recognize that something's wrong with me. Every time I want to do what's the, the do not, I want I don't want to commit adultery. I don't want to lie. I don't want to do all these things. But when the when the law is there, it's like, but I do those things. I've done those things. Why? Why do I think Paul's saying? Because of sin. You've got something, something's wrong with you. And the reality is, there's nothing you can do. And if you think you're better than anybody else, 
Because you're pointing a finger. Well, I, I didn't do that. What Marty did. Oh, <laughs> he goes, you're condemning yourself. That whole thing. When you're pointing your finger, you got three pointing back at you. You point your big finger, you got three fingers pointing back. And this is the thing that we meet people take out. I'm not judging others. Paul's not judging, but he is pointing out the fact that we got issues as a human race. There's something in us that is battling our minds and our hearts. We have the ability to not choose it, but then we choose it anyways. And in this, we will be judged because of our choices. Because of the way we exercise, and I use that word literally, the way we exercise our free will. We'll be judged by that. Does that mean we will burn in fire eternally? I don't think that's exactly what Paul's saying, but there will be an accounting for it. There will be a judgment for it. Now, is there, is there a lake of eternal fire that will burn up people who reject this type of truth? Why, yes, there is. Will people burn in that place and cease to exist? Why, yes, they will. But to go to that place, there are already a group of beings that go to that place, Satan being the chief of them. He knows the truth about God. He's not denying God's existence. He's not living under any deception of who God is. He just chooses, I don't care. I don't care. All right? To get to that place, it's interesting because God gave human beings in the days of Noah a second chance after they died. He preached to them. And that could be a form of judgment, by the way. When you're finally told, Cameron, you were wrong when you did that. What do you feel when somebody points that out? Feel condemned? You feel remorse? You can be, actually feel all sorts of things. That's a judgment when somebody points it out. In that moment of judgment, there's some things that happen to a heart. Now, you can feel sorry because you got caught. <laughs> but there's also a production of godly sorrow that judgment produces that can lead you to turn back to God. Now, will God offer that? There's quite a possibility that He will. Will everybody take that? Unfortunately, people say, screw you, God. I don't care. If heaven ain't a lot like Dixie, I don't want to go. <laughs> can't sing that song. Oh, you can't? Okay. <laughs> oh, man, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's racist. Um, <laughs> isn't that interesting? Because you see it. You see it. And it's, 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 it's an interesting. And, and, and God actually judges nations differently than nations to what people were exposed to. In fact, he says, in the towns that Jesus actually literally walked in, he says, to Capernaum, I think it was, he says, listen, Sodom and Gomorrah, I think, will rise up against you. Because if I had done the works that I did in you, they would have repented. (laughs) 
And people, people have this, this all, all in one, this big, we, we've gotten this doctrine about judgment that, you know, once you die, you, you don't have a second chance. You're, you're, and, and, and Jesus is going to, uh, throw people into hell because they didn't know the Christian message. And that's not what Paul's saying. He is saying that Jesus is the judge, though. That no man comes through the Father except through him. Nobody will get through because Jesus is the only righteous person in the universe, the only righteous being that is going to be able to judge. And when Jesus judges, he actually tells people what it's going to look like on that day. He says, listen, there's going to be a lot of people who have claimed to be in my good graces on that day, who even know my name. And they're going to say, God, Jesus, we did all these things in your name. And he's like, mm, I never knew you. <laughs> yeah, depart from me. Then there's going to be people who didn't even know his name. They're like, uh, Jesus, that's your name, right? When did we see you? Yeah, in prison. When did we see you? And he's going to like, guys, you passed. You know, I, I showed up to you as, as, a, as a child who needed help. And you, you stopped and helped. He goes back to the Good Samaritan. Whoa, this Christian evangelism that we got going on right now of if you don't know what I know, you're going to hell. Paul's saying it has nothing to do with what you know or what you've been exposed to. In fact, you're in more danger of, of judgment because you do, you have been close to the truth in knowledge and you're doing all these things. And, I, and you don't even, I don't know you. Jesus warns his own disciples about Gehenna fire, not the prostitutes. But man, the church has grabbed on to something that's... And our message today is warped. (laughs) Really, really warped. Um... This will take place, in verse 16, this will take place on the day when God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ as my gospel declares. We're going to end right there. (laughs) But we did get through chapter 2 a little bit. We're in verse 16. And we're going to end here on the podcast so that the group here can talk a little bit so tune in next time 